0: It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. The calendar will turn over to May, and the Big Ten race will soon heat up. I'm Kyle Charters with Drew Charters for the Big Baseball Podcast. We're stealing uh, the brother over there from the golf course today to do this podcast as it, uh, speaking of heats up, heating up outside. It is, and windy. A little bit windy, a little bit warm. We're not going to complain about it being warm though. It's great, Uh, 80 degrees expected today. Too bad we can't play midweek baseball. eh. We're playing weekend baseball and we got a pretty good Big Ten race, I would say, as we get set to turn this calendar over to May. And we've been talking, Drew, uh, all season it feels like about some of these series uh, that were going to be played in this month and how it would shape ultimately who wins the Big Ten this year. And I was always sort of looking toward those May 7th, May 8th weekend games. But really, I think it gets started a little bit this weekend. And so we want to break that down and talk about the four teams at the Big Ten, at the top of the Big Ten, because I I do think there is now probably some pretty good separation, right, between Nebraska, Indiana, Michigan, and Iowa, and then those three other teams that are hovering around 500. One of those, though, I want to call out a little bit. Uh Uh-oh. In a good way. Um, But I think there's some separation there as we um, get into the last month plus of the season. And, you know, which team comes out on top, I think, will be decided here, clearly, Um, you know, over these series where they're playing against each other. And also coming up with the podcast, we'll talk to Illinois coach Dan Hartlib. Let's break this down. Uh, The Nebraska Cornhuskers sit number one in the Big Ten, as they have, uh, taking two of three games against Michigan State and East Lansing. Drew, they needed 12 innings to win the rubber game. I mean, it could be a different look here if Nebraska can't win that extra inning game on Sunday against the Spartans. Yeah, it's the depth for Nebraska that continues to impress me. Uh, I I mean, both offensively and on the pitching mound they are so deep on both yeah. sides and it and it you know they go into extra innings and who do they turn to to rely on in extra innings the shortstop the shortstop right yeah. that just that you know that shows you the depth of that team and how talented they are just yeah. everywhere and and i think that's going to i mean i like nebraska i i think that's going to show throughout this month and uh they're that type of team that has so much talent and so much depth. They're going to continue to get better and continue to win games and not have any stalls. Yeah. It was a big game. I mean, that Nebraska needed to win against Michigan state to sort of maintain that one game lead in the loss column on Indiana, a couple of games over, yeah. over Michigan and then Iowa lurking there. But yeah, Spencer Swallenbach, uh, four innings scoreless in extras. He allows four hits, gets a couple of strikeouts. He ends up scoring the go ahead run. Then, also in the 12th as nebraska put three on the board to get that game but yeah i mean it's it's nice when you have that luxury of a guy who's an all-american a and a, a a very good defensive player and uh at the plate and then you can also turn to him in those situations where you need somebody to shut the other team down and it does i i think i think it does separate nebraska a little bit just that depth now they have the pitching and uh you know pitching depth too with with a guy and a couple of position players who can go out there and and throw in relief and and do a good job so indiana is at 19 and 8 the hoosiers have recovered from being swept a few weeks ago against ohio state they do the sweeping of minnesota
1: <laughs> not much uh, to say there
0: right i mean uh, iu outscores the gophers i don't know what i'm doing 39 to 5 23 to 1 on sunday yeah we don't need to go into minnesota very much the gophers are struggling um minnesota's blown out like 20 to barely anything at least once a weekend wasn't it last friday by michigan it was like 20 billion to A little. Yeah, there have been very few seasons like this in in John Anderson's long, distinguished career as the head coach at Minnesota, and this is a a disappointing one, uh, to say the least. I don't think that the the, the Gophers might not have expected to challenge for a Big Ten championship as it generally does but i don't think it expected this but about indiana i mean sweeps by minnesota just absolutely annihilates them that 23 to 1 game i think they scored five in the first eight in the second it's cause they sent like 25 guys to the plate in the first two innings and then scored five more in the seventh and five more in the eighth i mean it was just it was just ugly but indiana um you know lurking right there It'll be interesting to see whether that game that it lost against Illinois, that got rained right. out, uh, how much that that matters or factors in here to this race. Yeah, you know, I, I would hate to see a team just win by percentage points at the end just because of one lost game. Um, we've had good weather. Knock on for Micah, um, <laughs> but uh, but Indiana's right there. Yeah, this this upcoming weekend, and we'll talk about this. Uh, I think a little bit later too but this upcoming weekend is huge for IU. Right, yeah. they play Iowa, arguably the hottest team in the Big Ten right now. Mm-hmm. And I and I think the you know the concern for IU at least early was beating up on the bad teams mm-hmm. and not playing so well against the better teams in the Big Ten. So this upcoming series against Iowa it, is huge. It's the it's by far the biggest weekend for both IU and Iowa of the Big Ten, and we're going to learn a lot about the Hoosiers, I think. Can they stick with Nebraska? Yeah. Or, you know, will they fall back? Or is Iowa that team that is lurking? We'll talk about the Hawkeyes in a second. Let's hit Michigan, though, at 19-9. and The Wolverines had the best opponent of the weekend, I think, of all these teams uh, that are setting in this top four, taking on Rutgers. But, you know, Michigan was at home against the Scarlet Knights. But they lose two of three, and they lose two of three after winning on Friday. The offense really held in check by Rutgers starting pitching. Ben Wareski on Saturday, seven and two thirds. He allowed just one earned run, two runs total, six strikeouts. Brent Teller on Sunday, seven and a third, a couple of earned runs, eight strikeouts. That those are two really good pitching performances on the road for Rutgers against that Michigan offense. And suddenly the Wolverines now two and a half games back of Nebraska have a little bit of 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 room to make up. I'm 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 concerned about Michigan. Are you as concerned as I am about Michigan? I'm concerned about Michigan. I I just think they're from a Big Ten race point of view. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I I just think that there's not. I said this from the very beginning of the season. There's just nothing like that jumps out to me about Michigan. Yeah. And now they've lost a series, their first series, by the way, of the season. So it seems weird to say that I'm so overly concerned about them. But looking ahead at the schedule, they've got a pod this week, and we know how hard the pods have been this season for teams. There's Purdue's been the only team to sweep pod. There's been a couple teams, I think Iowa, who, who won three out of four. But the pods are tough, and it's on the road at Northwestern who can score against Illinois, who's coming off a, a good series against mm-hmm. Purdue. Who can and also the, score. And then they're at Michigan state rival weekend. They should win a couple, but then Indiana, Maryland, and Nebraska to finish the season. I mean, I'm concerned about Michigan. They've got to win. They've got to win the game. They they needed to win the series against Rutgers. They have to win three or four of the pod and they need, they need to win against Michigan state. Yeah. It needs a little bit of cushion going into those last three weekends of the year. I mean, you can look at it two ways. That they will have opportunities against those teams then in the last three weekends. Right. Because they're going to be playing Nebraska and Lincoln that last weekend. So you'll have a chance then. It's much easier to catch a team when you're playing them. Sure. <laughs> you know? You gotta win. Because cause you win and you, you, you gain ground. It's like, much easier to fall behind a team when you're playing them. It is. That too. <laughs> Why are you so pessimistic? going <laughs> on, man. Uh, let's talk a little bit of Iowa Hawkeyes. Speaking of optimistic. Uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes are uh, 18 and 11. I, I was sitting there thinking about Iowa. You were such a hater on Rick Heller and company <laughs> to start the year. But I, I was looking back through the schedule. I'm like, when's the last time they lost a series? I'm like, what they have been winning so often. You have to go back to the middle of March. till they lost a series. They lost two of three at home to Nebraska And then they lost the next game against Ohio state. And that dropped Iowa to four and eight to start the series. And you're like, okay, well, Iowa is, is not what we expected it to be. They have too many, you know, injuries and they're too thin in the outfield in particular. And, you know, they've lost some guys and they had some issues at the start of the season with, with COVID and uh, not being able to practice. And it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's too big a hole. Well, Since that loss to Ohio State, uh, Iowa has won 14 of 17, including three of four in the pod, uh, splitting with Maryland before sweeping Northwestern. And suddenly, Iowa at 18-11, you're like, okay, well, uh, the Hawkeyes are pretty good. Iowa's such a similar team to Nebraska. They're like the same team, right? You've got, in terms of depth, that's what sticks out to me for Iowa as well. You know, yeah, especially I don't know that Iowa has that kind of depth though. I mean, they cuz they've had some injuries. I mean, you look at the They've got the depth outfield. on the pitching map. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, you know, it's unfortunate that Connor McCaffrey has the injuries at the end of the basketball season because if you add him to that outfield, it it deepens the lineup a little bit. I I think that they Yeah. That the top half of Iowa's lineup I think does stack up with Nebraska. I, I think they get thin though. Oh, I agree. I don't think they that... stack up on the offensive end yeah. as far as depth of Nebraska. I'm talking more, more on the pitching side, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, you know, Iowa just doesn't have starting pitching. They have a really good bullpen and it makes them good from top to bottom. They're mm-hmm. fourth in the big 10 in the ERA. Um, Nedved is really good, and you know, similar to Swellenbach, a position player that comes in yeah. and just shuts opposing teams down mm-hmm. uh, on the mound. He, I think, he's got like ten saves or close to that. Damn, be ten. They've got ten saves as a team. Okay. Um, and he's their closer, so he's got. I didn't look at it before, but he's got a lot. Uh, you know, Iowa's fourth in the Big Ten at ERA, but they're second in batting average against on the mound. So just mm-hmm. that just tells mm-hmm. you from top to bottom, uh, you know, they're really good. Okay, let's hit, uh, we, we started to, but the big one is, you know, Iowa at Indiana. The, the two, maybe the two of the hottest teams. Iowa surging, as we pointed out, and Indiana has won uh, four straight games. I mean, who wins this series? And if Iowa wins this series, if Iowa takes two of three, and then is 20 and 12, I I think you, you know, the Hawkeyes then are a putting themselves in position to be the fourth team from the Big Ten, if not ahead of that, into the NCAA tournament, but also giving themselves a a fighter's chance here in this last month to make a big comeback. A couple weeks ago, you said you asked me, I think, can Iowa get to third in the Big Ten? (laughs) And we were like, no, 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 they can't catch IU. You know who they're going to catch? Yeah, catch Michigan. Michigan. They're going to catch Michigan. And Iowa is gonna be third in the Big Ten, I think. They're playing really well. Uh this series is gonna say a lot, obviously. I think even if they lose two or three in this series, I think they have a chance to catch Michigan and get that three spot. But uh it's gonna be it's it's gonna be fun to watch. I mean I mean, you've got Iowa's pitching against Indiana's offense, and and Indiana's pitching is is obviously no slouch mm-hmm. uh as well. So um I think the big ten at the at the top is is going to be a little shook up because of that series. Michigan is in the pot at Northwestern, so against the Wildcats, which uh oh man, I've been disappointed with northwestern i I thought that that offense would be able to carry wow. it to being competitive still to the end of the big ten, and it just hasn't been five straight losses under five hundred now for the Wildcats against an Illinois team that has won five of seven, including sweeping uh Purdue over the the weekend. Uh so for Michigan, you know, two teams that it should probably have the edge against and be just more talented than, but it needs to go in there and and win 3 of 4. I mean, I think a split even a split there would be a little bit disappointing and then you know, with that schedule coming up as you pointed out, a challenge then down the stretch. Yeah, I mean again I mean these are games that if you look at the schedule, these are the games that Michigan has to win. If looking at that schedule, they have to win these ones. They have to win these ones. They have to win against Michigan State, and then they see what happens uh, against the better teams and and hope for the best. So, a huge weekend for Michigan. They got to win. Nebraska hosting Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights winning that series at Michigan pitched it very well. I mean, they just did. If you, if you can pitch like that, and I mean, it's challenging to pitch like that against the Cornhuskers, obviously. But uh, that's a that's a tough series again now for. Nebraska um to maintain that lead and, and take on a, a pretty hot Scarlet Knights team. Yeah, I mean, these are, uh you know, these are the three, the, the teams that we're going to talk about here in the weekend rotation here a little bit later is these teams that are teetering right at 500. And Rutgers is one of those teams, along mm-hmm. with Maryland and Ohio State, that, you know, they're tough wins in the Big Ten for anybody. So, yeah. You know, Rutgers is going to put up a a fight here because they think that they belong in that next tier in the Big Ten. So it's a a big series for Nebraska. They can, you know, looking at at the schedule in Indiana playing, Iowa and Michigan being in the pod, this is a situation where if if Nebraska wins this series and and possibly can get a sweep against Rutgers, they're going to find some huge separation for themselves in first place. All right, let's hit uh Big Arm for this week. Uh I, I handled Big Arm. We did actually do separation of duty here and then and then uh followed our own instructions. Um which if you've been if you've been following along, I struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, You followed your (laughs) instructions, which was good. I was happy. Okay, Rutgers, we mentioned Wereski and Teller both were excellent. I mean, those guys combined for 15 innings, only gave up uh, three earned runs against Michigan on Saturday and Sunday, combined for 14 strikeouts. Really good. Uh, Kate Povich for Nebraska on Friday, pitched seven shutout innings at Michigan State. He allowed uh, just four hits, five strikeouts. Uh, Ohio State, Seth Lonsley was excellent. Seven shutout innings, three hits. He only struck out six below average. couple of walks. The Buckeyes beat Ohio State seven to nothing. Gabe Bierman went six innings. He allowed a, a earned run. He struck out 11. Uh, the offense gave him a little bit of cushion, I, I would say. Uh, 23 to one. That was the win. So he he was comfortable on the mound. Uh let's see. Spencer's fallen back for for, we mentioned Spencer. Uh, you know, man, it's real tempting to give this to him after pitching uh four scoreless and what was a critical uh, victory in extra innings on Sunday. He gave up just four hits, a couple of strikeouts, and then you know, he did score the go ahead run. Uh so you know, big leg. I don't know. Uh also. Uh but we're gonna have to go to this Illinois Purdue game on Sunday. And what a game it was. I mean, Purdue Purdue got no hit. It almost won the game despite, I mean, fair. the game could have easily turned toward the Boilermakers and Purdue could have won a game without getting a hit. There yeah. was a, a, a strike him out, throw him out at the plate, which doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> Miles Simington struck out. The catcher dropped the ball. He had to throw to first and Mike Bolton Jr., who is extremely fast, yeah. tried to score from third. He had reached on an air, I think, stole second. Took third on a wild pitch. Something like that. He got to third base without getting a hit. Right. And it was very close at home. I have not seen a replay I would like to. But he was called out, so it got out of the inning and then Illinois ends up scoring in the top of the ninth and and uh and then going on to getting the no hitter. But Corey Brooks in that game for Purdue, eight shutout innings, a career high for him. He allowed just three hits, struck out four and walked four. But we've got to give this to Riley Gowans seven no hit innings as part of the three pitcher no hitter for the Illini. He walked four and struck out six. Really just kept Purdue off balance for the entire game. Part of the uh, Illini's eleventh no hitter all time. So uh, Gowans is the big arm for this week. Big bat. Yeah, let's go. Uh, uh, Morgan Colopy for IU had a big weekend. Seven for thirteen. A couple of doubles, a home run, six runs scored, and eight. RBI for Morgan for the Hoosiers, RBIs were pretty easy to come by that weekend. Uh, Easton Bertrand for Minnesota uh, against IU had two home runs, both on Friday. They played a doubleheader on Friday to avoid the uh, wet weather on Saturday, so uh, one in each game uh, in that those first two for Bertrand for Minnesota. Max Anderson um, in the twelve inning victory. Uh, Versus Michigan State. He singled home the winning run in that one. In that game, he was three for six with four RBIs. A couple of runs scored and a triple. Uh, Another grand slam, Kyle. Johnny (laughs) Piacentino uh, for Penn State had a grand slam against Ohio State. Uh, Steven Rustich for Northwestern had a couple of home runs uh, just yesterday, Monday, uh, against Iowa. Uh, Ethan O'Donnell for Northwestern had three home runs over the weekend, so a mm. good weekend for Ethan. Uh, but for Big Bat this week, we're going to go to Iowa. Uh, Zeb Adrian had about his best a weekend uh, you can have in the pod against Maryland and Northwestern. Zeb on the weekend was 10 for 14. He scored seven runs, had five RBI, one double, and two triples for Zeb. So he'll get Big Bat this week. Uh, not bad. Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, offensive weekend, I would say. All right, we need to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to uh, our guest this week, Dan Hartlib, in his 16th season now as the head coach of the Illinois Fighting Illini. And that's coming up next. You're listening to the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017, The Hammer. <laughs> And happy to welcome in Dan Hartleb in his 16th season now as the Illinois head coach. His Illini, 13 and 14 overall, but winners of five of their last seven, including sweeping the Boilermakers over the weekend. And you know the most impressive part I think of, of that weekend was the game on Sunday and the pitcher performance that you guys got out of uh, Riley Gowans, and others, uh, the combined no hitter. Uh, that was certainly uh, exciting. Uh, you know, I was at the ballpark, and it almost was a game that uh, you guys could have thrown a no-hitter and lost. It was it was that kind of of pitching matchup, and the Boilermakers nearly scored in the, the bottom of the eighth inning without a hit. But you guys came through and got that no-hitter completed. Just, uh, you know, it's a pretty good cap to what was a pretty good weekend for you guys.
1: Yeah, we we did a good job all weekend. but uh, we we pitched very well and, and got uh, some good pitching out of the bullpen, which has been one of the things that we've struggled with. Uh, we we were really good defensively and and offensively. We continued to do a good job. Uh, and as you said, the the capper for the whole weekend was the the complete game, uh, not the complete game, but the uh, no hitter. And the unbelievable play that that happened in the bottom of the eighth to send it to the ninth in a tie yeah. score. So, f- fun weekend of baseball.
0: Yeah, yeah. For those who didn't see, I uh, struck out Miles Symington, but he he was able to go to first on the drop ball and you know got the double play. These the unusual strike him out, throw him out. I guess uh, throwing out the the runner and Mike Bolton Jr. trying to score from third that kept that game scoreless. Um, yeah, pretty exciting. how How nice is it to recover uh, against Purdue, considering that the Boilermakers had taken two from you back at home? I mean, it's an unusual situation this year that you know you play some teams at home and then immediately or at some point get to play them again at their home field.
1: Well, I, I was uh, really impressed with our, our players because after we lost the two games Purdue, and especially the way we played on on the Monday game getting blown out in our own ballpark, you know, we, we could have folded. And uh, I thought our guys did a great job of, of heading back into practice on, uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, Friday, going into the, the series and, and we had very good practices. Uh, guys came to practice to get better. We had a great mentality uh, and, and they didn't let things bother them. We just put those behind, and, and then we came out, and I thought we played very good baseball the entire weekend. So that showed me very good character and, and again, the, the work ethic, and, and I thought our assistant coaches did an unbelievable job of getting guys prepared.
0: It's sort of been that kind of season for you a little bit, right, and that you've been up and down throughout the year and, and had to try to find ways to claw yourself back uh, to around 500, which is where you are now. And, and hopefully, give yourself an opportunity to make a push here in the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, it's been disappointing. At least the first half. Uh, you know, there are some games that, that I thought we flat out gave away, and then uh, you know, again, we didn't pitch well out of the bullpen at, at times, and you know, a lot of we have a lot of youth uh, every time we go to the bullpen, and, and that has shown up. Uh, and and so there has been some frustrations, but each and every time we put ourselves in a bind. We find a way to claw back, and, and again, I, I think that says a lot for our team, that, that nobody quits, nobody goes into a hole and hides. Uh, nobody feels sorry for themselves. They they continue to work, and, and we've gotten better and better. And you know, I'm hopeful this second half that, that we continue to get better and, and put a, a pretty good win streak together here.
0: Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, Riley Gowans. Um, you know, we, we made note during the broadcast on Sunday that he is the rare Player who is a junior academically, but a freshman athletically. And part of that is because the COVID season uh, last year that got canceled early. But also, he's had some injury issues. But, man, it looks like, you know, maybe post-injury, he might be a guy that can be a a pretty solid weekend starter for you.
1: Well, Riley's done a good job to get himself back from an injury. Uh, he, He had Tommy John... Uh, after his high school season, his senior year. So his true freshman year, uh, you know, went through the entire rehab process. And then his COVID freshman year, we we thought that uh, we would get him back maybe halfway through the season and, and try to ease him into things. And obviously right up front, we get shut down and he doesn't have that opportunity. And uh, you now jump into his junior year. Uh, he did a great job of getting his body in shape and and progressed a lot. Uh, he's got a really good arm. There's times that he he'll he'll touch 96, and, and a lot of times he's sitting 91, 94. Uh, his breaking balls continue to improve. He's he's added a change up. Uh The thing that's been fun to watch this year in in winter practice when we were scrimmaging, he was sharp all the time and did a great job. And then probably his first four outings, uh, he couldn't get through the first inning. And he just – he didn't understand or have the experience to be able to throttle himself back with with all the – I don't want to say nerves, but but the adrenaline. Uh, because he loves to compete, but, but he was overcompeting. And once he started to settle in and, and understood how to pitch in that first inning – uh, you know he's been really good for us, and and even when he didn't do a good job in those games in the first inning, he would settle in and give us you know a good second, third, fourth inning. The problem was uh, he was out of pitches by that time because he threw so many in the, in the first inning. Uh, but but he's he's uh, gotten better each and every game. Uh, he, he's got a great mentality and. and you know, he's going to have a great career here in Illinois. Maybe a 20-year career, the way it's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He can
0: graduate with uh, two or three degrees, which wouldn't be a bad deal either, but uh, maybe would want to uh, to move on at some point. Uh, we did make note during the broadcast that, you know, after that seventh inning, you could tell that his day was probably done. He got a couple of hugs from teammates in the dugout there, and I know he's coming back from the injury. and It's got to be tough a little bit as a coach, right, because – you know he's rolling along, but you know you just can't push him past 100 pitches either, and probably got to get him out of that game. Was there any thought for trying to ride him just a little bit longer to see if he could get through the last couple of innings, or did you know that the clock was sort of ticking on on how much longer he could go?
1: We go into each and every game with a cap on our pitchers, uh, yeah. and you know if it's if it's one inning, then then that's where the cap uh, you know is put on and and. Uh, Riley had a cap, and, and you know, there, there are many things that go into it. One's his his injury that he had out of high school. Uh, he, he had some soreness earlier in the year, so we, we sat him out a week, uh, just precautionary. And then as he's come back, we've had to work him back up to a pitch total. So, um, you know, I, I didn't look at the, the number of pitches, and I kept hoping that our pitching coach wasn't going to come to me and say, hey, he's done. But, you know, we, we get through the seventh, and – and uh, it, it, was, it was his time to come out, um, and he did an unbelievable job. You know, he, he got out of a few jams as well, and he had some walks hit by pitches and, and uh, then settled in and, and uh, just did an unbelievable job for us.
0: You mentioned that you're, you're probably a little bit thin uh, on, on pitching this season, right? Uh, but you do have Andrew Hoffman at the top of things who has, for the most part, been pretty consistent. I know he had a couple of rough starts before the Purdue start, but... Um, you know, your guys at the top are at least giving you you opportunities. You, as you said, though, you probably just need to be a little bit deeper there uh, once you get into the bullpen.
1: Yeah. So our starting pitching, I think is really good. And Andrew Hoffman, I think is one of the, the top um, pitchers in the conference. And you know, we had the same situation with, with uh, Andrew a few weeks back where, where he, he just, he had a tired, tired shoulder and, Again, we, we won't push guys out there unless they're you know, ready to roll. And so we sat him out a week, and then he was going to come back and pitch against Indiana on a Sunday, and that game got canceled due to rain. And so he basically sat for three weeks. Uh, and so, not to produce start, but the start before that, he was rusty, and, and he battled and competed, but just rusty. Hadn't been out there, hadn't faced uh, uh, you know, hitters in, in that game type situation. And then he came back against Purdue and threw extremely well. And, uh, you know, I, I feel very comfortable every time he goes to the mound. He, he gives you a chance to win and gets you deep into the game.
0: Yeah. Just not the depth, right? I mean, after, you know, we saw that a little bit on the Monday game against Purdue, you get into those four, anybody really does, it seems like. But, you know, you get into those four-game weekends and and uh, you've got to sort of bop and weave your way through those games and hope you can get uh, some young guys, uh, you know, some quality innings. And it, and it hurts, too, I think, and I've talked to a lot of coaches about this, that you just don't have the ability this season to develop some of those young arms in the middle of the week. You end up having to do it at times on a on a Monday in a four-game weekend, and that doesn't always go as well as you'd like it. But you probably need to, to try to develop some of those guys a little bit and, and see if they can step into some bigger roles for you, right?
1: Yeah, the, there are two things that. Well, there are three things if you look at, at everybody across the country, and it's really hit us hard. Last year, um, not playing, I underestimated what what that meant. Um, I, I thought we would have some guys that were further along, but they just don't have that experience, that game experience. Uh, you know that that's one factor. And then you look that that we didn't have an opportunity to play teams early in the year, uh, and get those non-conference games going. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're compounded with four-game series at times, which, which are very tough, and then, as you said, not being able to uh, play midweek and, and pick and choose and try to get some guys some innings, we're, we're throwing them into the fire. And uh, so we, we just, on our entire roster, now this is the entire roster, this isn't just pitching staff, we do not have one player that has over one year of Division One experience. And so you compound that then with the the lack of pitching where you have some guys that have no years of division one experience. It's, it's been a little bit of a struggle. Uh, The the thing that, that I've been impressed with though, even though we've had struggles, I think we've only had one game where we just gave it up because we walked a bunch of guys. A lot of times it's throwing strikes that are not quality strikes, but we're throwing the ball over the plate and, and coming out on the short end of it. So We've made progress guys are trying to compete uh, you know right now we just we haven't had that depth so for us to go into purdue uh, get you know great outings uh, from the bullpen with only one hiccup in there uh, you know I was really pleased with the progress we've made
0: you John Anderson and me might be the only guys around here the big Ten that that not so fondly remember the days of the four game big Ten weekend series with the with the weird 2 seven game or seven inning games there on Saturday. Uh we don't want to go back to that, right? I mean, we'll, we'll be Absolutely. happy with a three game series.
1: You know, I've uh, I've been in the league when we had four sevens, been yeah. in the league when we had 9779, been in the league when we had 99798. I've seen everything and it's it's I don't want to say it's not good baseball. Anytime time you have to play a doubleheader, it's a long day. It's not fair to the athletes. Um, there's some things that are missed. The best thing is, is a three game series with nine inning games. Um, and, and it helps you from a development standpoint as well then to get one to two games midweek. So absolutely not. I, I, I have absolutely no <laughs> desire to ever go back to four games on a regular basis. And I really have no desire to play another doubleheader, <laughs> but it will happen with weather. Yeah. And it will it will happen this week as we're in a pod.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So so prepare yourself. Um, you know, offensively, your team has been good again. I mean, I, I think that some people maybe, if they were to guess who is the top hitting team in terms of average, that maybe Illinois wouldn't be at the the top of the list. Perhaps somebody would say a, a Nebraska or a Michigan or. Or something like that but it's you guys I mean you continue to to hit the ball and and um you know you've done that for years over there in Champaign and you know the names change but the results in in some ways stay the same and and you guys have been able to score runs this year
1: we've done a great job offensively The, the thing that I think makes a great offensive team is when you have threats one through nine in the order and a pitcher doesn't get a break and um, we, we've come a long way in a short amount of time. Um, early in the year, we lost a few games because we didn't have plate discipline. And the vast majority of the time, right now, we have very good plate discipline. And and uh, you know we'll take our walks when when they present themselves, and and then we do damage uh, when when we get good pitches to hit. Uh, we've hit some very good pitchers and and uh, won some games against some top pitchers. Yeah, I'm very confident in our lineup, and and uh, I like the fact we've been able to, you know, rotate some guys, keep some guys fresh and healthy, and keep guys competing against each other. It's always a good thing. Um, you know, our assistants do a great job uh, in all areas, and, and hitting it has been very consistent for us.
0: What's Brandon Comia meant to your program and, and you know, this year and, and uh, you know, being able to now lead this team and be a guy that, you know, really doesn't have a whole lot of flaws in his performance on a day-in and day-out basis.
1: Yeah, that, that maturing process has been fun. He, I remember two years ago as a freshman, uh, he was so hard on himself. And in one game, I I absolutely, uh, I'd say I snapped on him in the dugout. <laughs> you know, when he was just being too hard on himself and, and uh, you know, had have had a couple of tough conversations like that and just watching him get better and mature and, and uh, you know, be a good teammate to others. He's done an unbelievable job from a defensive standpoint. Uh, he, he's been very, very good at the plate. J- just a, a, a great player. Um, my only uh, regret with him is the fact that we had the COVID year and, and didn't get to see him play three, four years. Uh, you know, my, my assumption is that, uh, you know, he, he'll get a, a very good opportunity from a draft standpoint and may move on. Um, but th- that—that's one thing that that uh, I would say is a regret because he's meant a lot to our program, and and uh, looking forward to these next, uh, you know, these next number of games with him.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, we we watch a lot of, of different teams each week. Drew and I, uh, you know, seeing uh, both Purdue obviously, and then who the Boilermakers are playing, and we've seen a lot of good freshmen this year, and including one that you guys have batting in the middle of your lineup in Justin Janice. Uh Just you know. He's been really good. I mean, I think hitting uh, close to 380, just a guy who can who can come in there and seems to be, uh, you know, a professional hitter almost. Uh, what has he done here early in his career that has impressed you the most?
1: Well, th- this is year two for him, um, so he got a taste of at least knowing what things were like a year ago or year and a half ago in the fall. Yeah, and then. Um, You know, got a couple of bats before the season was canceled a year ago. And I think he saw that he belonged, but he also saw that he wasn't ready. And as soon as he left until the time he came back from fall, he did an unbelievable job of changing his body. Uh, He, he uh, really firmed it up, worked very hard to get in great shape. Uh, Then in the fall, he he had a, uh, um, an accident, uh, not an accident, it was an injury in a scrimmage where um, he was pulled off the bag up the line and, and uh, tore up his uh, his elbow and he had to have major surgery. And that was a setback for him, but he did an unbelievable job in rehab, didn't lose a beat from a mental standpoint. And his, his composure at the plate, his plate discipline, and his ability to stay inside the baseball and hit it to all fields Uh, hit right handers and left handers has been outstanding it's it's been uh, it's been fun just to watch his composure at a young age
0: yeah I bet so and fun to watch him uh, hit the ball like he has this year as well you've got an opportunity this uh, this season to coach your son Zach uh, a reserve infielder on your team what has that been like I would imagine as a father myself it's got to be both um, really exciting and then also uh, really nerve-wracking at times and and trying to to figure out the balance between coach and dad has to be uh, has to be a, a fun one, I would imagine.
1: Well, it's fun seeing him every day. Um, you know, when he went to junior college to play, I didn't see him basically for two years, and you know that's not fun. Uh, so, so just the chance to see him at practice and at games, every single game, that that's been you know a lot of fun. Uh, he, he's done a good job of of uh, working to get better. Uh, accepting his role where he's at right now. Uh, the thing that, that makes this easy is the fact that he does all the right things off the field from a teammate standpoint, from a social standpoint, from an academic standpoint. And so there's things that I don't worry about with him. And uh, I I made the comment to my wife yesterday. She asked how he was doing. I just said he's being a great teammate, and that's all you can ask for. Uh, you know, hopefully he continues to, to work and get better and – and can do some things to contribute on the field. Uh, he does have some role things that he's done for us. And you know, I had a proud moment uh, the first weekend of the year. We we were playing uh, down in Greenfield, South Carolina, and had an opportunity to get uh, each and every one of our players into a game. And and uh, first pitch he saw in Division One, he absolutely smoked a single to left center field. And you know that that was fun. It was fun yeah. to, to watch him do that and be excited. And um, he, he he thinks he wants to coach uh so that, that's that's part of this opportunity is is for him to, to try to come in and, and learn and and gather information and, and he'd like to be a division one coach uh so you know just watching him mature and then ask questions on a regular basis and try to figure things out uh go through the ups and downs you know it's been a great learning experience for him from that standpoint so we'll, we'll see i i the one thing that i i told uh I told my assistants, you know, I said uh, the, the thing that I had to be careful of is I, I, I need to be his coach and I will discipline just like everybody else. But there's times that they need to take the reins on some things because I still want to be his dad. And yeah. and that's, that's, you know, something that I've tried to be very cognizant of how I, you know, how I approach him. And, and uh, you know, I try to treat him exactly like the rest of the players on the field. Then when we leave, I'll be dad again. So it's been fun. Um, and, and, you know, I'm looking forward to the, the next, uh, you know, couple of years with him as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you are. Just, uh, you know, usually five weekends left, you'd be sort of jockeying for a position in the big 10 tournament and knowing that, you know, even if you've got a six, seven, eight seed, we've seen years where, where lower seeds have made runs in the tournament and, you know, tried to give themselves an opportunity to give the NCAA tournament. Where do you stand with the, the lack of the tournament this year and, and, you know, not having that opportunity for, you know, for a team like yours, you know, maybe it could get hot at the end of the year get into that tournament and then, and then be able to play in a regional and, and just, you know, you won't have that opportunity. You're going to have to make the run here in the regular season and, and, uh, you know, really try and climb that mountain to get noticed by the NCAA. Yeah,
1: there's, there's two sides to it. Um, The decision we made as a coaching group was the right decision. Um, Eliminating the tournament to make sure that each and every player, all the teams got a chance to play those extra four games. Some people would have been left out. Uh, Some people would have played two games and been done. And these guys worked too hard to put themselves in positions to get on the field and to, to cut more games from them wouldn't have been right. Uh, the the other part is the frustration, you know, of, of where we're at with, with the cuts in games, not being able to play midweek, not being able to play early, which led to us making that decision on the tournament. Uh, bar none, far and away, this is the best year I've ever seen of Big Ten baseball, and the teams, and the quality of baseball, and the quality of players. Uh, it's my 31st season uh, watching Big Ten baseball. And from top to bottom, uh, there's no gimme games. There's absolutely none. It's, it's an absolute battle each and every day. And I truly believe if we would have had the opportunity to play those early games, we would have beaten up on some people. Uh, we would have beaten some very good teams across the country. Our conference RPI would have been very high. Uh, and then as we got into Big Ten play, you would have seen some of those numbers churn. And I think we would have some great RPI teams. Yeah. And so that that's a frustration. Uh, you know, as I talked about before, I think if we would have had that opportunity, uh, we would have been in a different place from a pitching standpoint. And uh, I think we would have been at least in the top half of the conference and maybe in the top third because uh, I do think we're talented. Uh, but we're not. And so we, we need to make a run here. Uh, we need to, uh, to take each and every game just like it's a tournament game and figure out a way to win it because there's not many tomorrows.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you on the depth of of talent in the Big Ten. I mean, you look at some of those teams that are around 500 right now that if the NCAA tournament started tomorrow, I I don't think would be in. But to me, a a team like Ohio State, a team like Maryland, a team like Iowa, certainly a team uh, like maybe Northwestern with the way it hits the ball, feels to me like it could be an NCAA regional team, but yet this year seems like it's probably going to be on the outside Looking in, and that's you know just I think an unfortunate consequence of of playing the conference only slate. That some of those teams that that maybe to me pass the eyeball test a little bit probably are not going to be in.
1: I agree with you. You know I think if we would have had a normal year, we have we we would have qualified at least six teams. I truly believe that, and you know now we're probably looking. Um, I hope at least four teams in the tournament, Um, you know, it could be three. Uh, It's, you know, you you would hope that the committee looks at things um, with an open mind based on COVID, but it's also difficult when everybody else in the country has played a full slate and and we're one of the only conferences being cut back, you know, thinking that they're going to reward us for, for you know that situation um and and there are going to be some very good teams that are left out i think there's some uh, a lot of teams in the big 10 that could go in and win a number of games and even win some regionals and get to super regionals uh that that may be left out so you know we'll we'll see how this all shakes out here over the next month but um there are some frustrations from all the coaches in the league
0: Hey, Dan, appreciate uh, the time. Always like catching up with you and, and talking a little bit of Big Ten and Illinois baseball. And best of luck uh, in that pod up in Evanston this weekend.
1: Yeah, thanks, Kyle. I appreciate your time.
0: All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back in just a moment with more on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. <laughs> All right, Drew, let's hit our weekend rotation the things that we are talking about as we head to this weekend. Topic number one, there are in all seven teams that are above 500 in the Big Ten, which is good. I mean, you know, we look at those top four, but there are others. uh, And one of them that I look at in particular is the Maryland Terrapins. The Terps are now 16 and 13. Winners of three straight in the Iowa City pod against iowa and two versus northwestern and i I think you have to look at schedules going forward then too and if teams can maybe not make a run to the very top of the big 10 but make a run into a position that the ncaa tournament committee has to give them a look how many games above 500 do you have to beat it to to earn that i don't know the answer to that but Look, Maryland is three games above 500 now. The Terps have Minnesota at home for three games. You know, Minnesota. Then at Illinois. And then hosting Purdue. And so you look at those three opponents and you think, okay, I mean, even conservatively, you would say six and three, right? I mean, you would think that they could win seven of those nine even, and maybe more than that. And so... If you give them seven, then they're, you know, 23 and 15 at that point. And that's looking pretty good for a Maryland team that got off to a slow start. And then suddenly I think, you know, the Terps have played themselves into the picture at least of being a team that needs some consideration. And what will be a very odd selection, clearly. I mean, how are you going to determine Big Ten teams? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I don't want to be involved in it. No, I, I don't either, but I think the point is that Maryland has a chance to play itself into whatever consideration that there is at the end of the season for Big Ten teams. Well, let's also then look at the team that's right on their heels in Ohio State at 15 and 13. Ohio State's schedule, they are at home against Purdue this weekend, then Minnesota, then Michigan State for their next nine games. Yeah. So, similar story, What what's a reasonable expectation for Ohio State to go over those nine games? Mm-hmm. Seven and two? Yeah. I mean, that's completely, I mean, I think if they is is six and three, a disappointment in those nine games, <laughs> it'd be hard almost. to be disappointed with six and three. I know, but it almost is. Yeah. So you're looking at Ohio State, if they can go, if they can go seven and two, they're looking 22 and 15. Mm-hmm. After these next three weekends. So if you've got both Maryland at whatever you said, 22 and 15, 23 and 15. Yeah. If you've got Ohio state at 22 and 15, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're looking at five teams in the big 16, six teams in the big 10 that are all um, well over 500, well over and, 500. Because I think that the thing is that the committee is going to have to look at is, and we've heard other coaches talk about this. Is there separation in the big 10? Are three teams better than everyone else? Right. Are two teams better than everyone else? And I think if that happens, then those three teams are clearly going to the tournament. Everybody else is going to get left out. Right. But it makes a good argument if there's five teams in that in that open in that first tier. Right. Yeah. Because then how do you how do you separate that fourth team from the fifth team if they look the same? You can't say schedule. <laughs> <laughs> we well, can't say who did they beat? who do they beat the non-conference. Right. Well, no one. And so, well, then the danger becomes you just throw them all out. I don't know. I, like you said, I don't, I don't want to be involved in that because <laughs> I don't know the answer. And it's unfortunate, as Dan Hartlep said too, and, you know, he's been around Big Ten baseball forever. And he thinks it's as deep as it's ever been. And, and we don't have the, that kind of expertise, but it's hard for me to sit here and think that Ohio State can't win a game or two with the pitching that it has in the, in the NCAA tournament. Right. They that Maryland, can. with the offense that it has, can't win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. I mean, come on. That has to be a deciding factor. It certainly for can. choosing them. Yeah. Has to be. Okay, let's hit topic number two. No Big Ten tournament this year. We know that. We talked to Hartlib about it because his team, uh, just being a little bit under 500, would right now be playing for a chance to get into the field in the Big right. Ten tournament. And we have seniors, Drew, where... A team that is a seven or an eight seed, right? Northwestern a couple of years ago was a lower seed. We've seen Iowa make a run in in recent history as a lower seed. We have seen lower seeded teams get hot, and and Illinois is a team that has the kind of offense that can get hot. Yeah. If somehow it would get a couple of those young pitchers, you know, to throw strikes, <laughs> uh, then then maybe you know it could. Be, but there's no there's no carrot there now for those type of teams to. You know squeak themselves into the seventh or eighth seed and then and then make a run and then somehow you know win that tournament get in the n c a there's no there's no tournament yeah it's tough i mean right now you're you know you ask the question what are the teams playing for i, I you're playing for you're playing' cause the, the it's pro, a, yeah. you're playing for the program right and, yeah, a little bit you're playing for the like you're playing for yourself, the yourself op- i suppose the opportunity to play big ten baseball but you're yeah. playing for the I mean, these teams, uh, the, you know, the coaching staffs are hoping the players are playing for the program, right? Mm-hmm. There's teams like, you know, these teams like Purdue and throw Illinois in there, Minnesota, Northwestern. These teams need to play well for the future. You yeah. can't have a terrible season ruin the next five years, which yeah. is what Minnesota's hoping doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, that could put you in a tailspin. Well, I think, yeah, I think you're just playing for, you know, you're playing to play. You didn't get to play last year, and you're, you know, there's just not that, you know, event at the end of the season, which is disappointing. I I know why the Big Ten did it, Um, but it is, it's pretty disappointing not to have that because if you are, I mean, it's a great event, A, you know, it's been awesome in Omaha, B, it's awesome anywhere, but Omaha's been fun. And, you know, a team that's a lower seed can get hot. All right, let's uh, hit what we're watching this weekend. We literally will be watching from my uh, house, uh, Purdue and Ohio State, over the weekend. But we mentioned some of those other series. The one I think that we're both going to agree on is is in Bloomington, right? I mean, Iowa and Indiana, and and which team ends up getting the victory there on what should be a nice weekend for baseball uh, down in southern Indiana? Uh, Yeah, I'm certainly watching that one. Uh, That's the one you're keeping your eye on the most. Uh, Michigan in the pod. Yeah. I think we're keeping an eye on, you know, I, I've shared my concerns about Michigan and uh, you know, I I'm interested to see what they do in this pod. Do they go three and one, do they go two and two or one and three? Yeah. I think any of those three are possibilities. Yep. All right. Uh, good show today. Thanks to uh, Illinois coach, Dan Hartlib for coming on. We do appreciate his time. Uh, we'll be back to do this again next week as we get into May and start to break down some more of these big series in the Big Ten. For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017, The Hammer.